Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Persuasion by the Pint. I'm Jonathan Taylor, along with... Switching it up there a little bit on you. Pause. I like that. A little pause. People guessing. Yeah, that's right. Wait for that. Nice little pattern interrupt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take an NLP class over the weekend or something. <laughs> no, I watched some. Uh, I watched some episodes of Mad Men, and that's. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of effect going on there. So yeah, practicing your boardroom pitch. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's he. Uh, pause. Yeah, it always looks better on film, right? Though it's like you try that in in reality, and you just yeah. like. Uh. Yeah, it's a little. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Maybe it must be the camera angles and you know the, uh, the the sound mics and everything. It just doesn't come across the same way when you're doing a live pitch uh, in person. So yeah, it just comes off a little awkward sometimes. <laughs> it works great on stage and in film, but yeah, it's a little harder. Like, yeah, yeah. Face to face. Absolutely. Um, at the kitchen table, trying to sell something, whatever. That's but, right. That's right. You want to, you, you're, you're always thinking in, in the back of your mind, uh, I'm going to uh, pause, slow down, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to accentuate yeah. that deep baritone voice, Yeah. you know, a commanding voice. And, you get to the and then it's like, oh, well, yeah, yeah. hey. <laughs> yeah, you get to the pause and you're like, you know, I think it's good, like two to three seconds. And you're like half a second of panicking. <laughs> It's like, boom, blows up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the worst part in the worst, I don't know about you, Sean. The worst is when you're calling up someone. And uh, so I'm a li- I'm much better in person than I may have. I'm, I- I'm the worst when it comes to leaving voicemails. You know, when you're expecting to talk some- to someone yeah. and you get the, you-, you get their voicemail. And so, um, you know, it's just like you're, you're on the spotlight of like, oh man. I've got to, I've got to craft this perfectly, you know, <laughs> probably should have that pre-written ready to go. Pre-written. How many times have you literally, and I have, I mean, I've got it, you know, scripted in your mind of how you do that. But then when you make a mistake, how many times have you hit the pound button on the, on your phone to, you know, hopefully give you the option to pre-record uh, anymore. <laughs> I don't listen to them and I don't leave them. I try to get straight to the point without going into a lot of detail and, you know, get, you know, create some kind of intrigue and interest to get them to call yeah. back. Voicemail is so pre-2008, I think. It is. I don't know when it really is. died, but it was a while ago. Yep. So, yep. all right, we got a quick show today. Um, some of some of us with sunshine. Um, Absolutely. Get to, get to go out and play golf. It's I'll, still, be, I'll be out there. It feels like Ohio here in Austin today. <laughs> it's been gray for a week. We did get some rain though, so I'm happy about that. So, well, um, your your weather's coming our way tomorrow. Yes, um, you better get out there while you can. So I'm going to take advantage today, this afternoon, and hit some hit some golf balls because uh, earlier this week or last week we were under 10 inches of snow. Yeah. Uh, this week we have <laughs> 60 something degree weather and sunshine. So uh, it's crazy about the South right there. <laughs> Never, you know, it's not like uh, Buffalo where you're going to have the 10 feet just right. sitting on the side of the road for the next two months. It's just, yep. It's awful. That's right. So we're going to be talking about chapter five of the book breakthrough advertising by Eugene Schwartz. Um, mm-hmm. 
Harry's kind of summarizing thing. It's called The Art of Creative Planning, How to Make an Idea Grow. Um, There's a couple key things that we'll take away from here, but it's a short, it's like one of the shortest chapters in the whole book. Mm -hmm. But there's a couple things he talks about in here. Like it's literally only one, two, three, like four or five pages. But as usual, there's a lot in that five pages. Um, Yeah. So we'll pull apart a little bit. Um, if we have time, mm-hmm. this is already losing a little bit of steam and I, and I told you about it, Jonathan, but you know, Russell Brunson was in the news this week a little bit. Um, some people have heard. Yeah. I was like, I was shocked. I was late to the punch on that one. Cause I, I didn't know anything about that, but late so to speak late to the punch. Here we go. <laughs> Oof, that was bad. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I've got some commentary, but if you don't want to listen yeah. to it, it'll be right at the end. You can tune out at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. We'll get into, I'm not really going to get into right. Or so wrong. give us for, for people that don't know, give, we'll save it. Give us, I don't want to get like into it because I know there, it's very like polarized. Like some people don't, don't want to talk it at all. Okay. And some people are like, well, I already know. So I'll hang on to the end. So either way, whether you know or don't know, Tidbit we're there. just using it for clicks, so yeah. I don't care. Yeah, we're just using it to maybe get <laughs> less the SEOs. This is shame, shameless there, but yeah, yeah it'll it'll be interesting because I had no idea until you mentioned it today, and then I'm like, yeah, after you see the link, like it happened I think last weekend, and it's already dying out in less than a week. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just interesting to watch, and I do have a couple pieces of commentary. And since he's a big name in our world, I think it's yeah, talk about it in a productive way. So we'll do that. We're not going to bash anybody. No, no pun intended. No, I could you I could easily fill myself in his shoes and how oh, yeah. I would feel and like, yeah. hoping in my case or in anyone's case, hoping it would die out. You know, eventually because it's yeah. it's one of those things. You know, people are just under scrutiny the as they yeah. rise to a certain level. Well, you know, you are the. Uh, you know, it's kind of what we're talking about in this book. If you're going to build a big name, big brand, big yeah big following right there are you know there are a few yeah there's there's a lot more things that come along with that absolutely so we'll jump into chapter five if you're interested at the end we'll we'll get a little bit more detail about russell brunson and we'll gossip a little bit um you know and then that'll be it jonathan will go play some golf but first I've got a good beverage today, and I, I think I'm kind of excited to get started on that. So Okay, let's um, hear it. I know you've got a little devil's juice over there or something. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll start with mine. Okay. Saw this can, the Meteor Mash. Let me go ahead and pull up the old... For, Ooh, like the art. Like the artwork. Yeah, this is from Burlington Beer Company. Yeah. Um, and it is the Meteor Mash. It is a double stout with coconut chicory. And milk sugar. Um, so Meteor Mash is a drool-worthy pastry-style double stout. Flavors and aromas of dark chocolate, drizzled coconut bars, cold brew coffee, toasted pecan toffee brittle, and chocolate malted milkshakes. Chicory is a woody, herbaceous plant in the dandelion family with bright blue flowers. Chicory ro- roots are roasted, grounded, often used as a coffee substitute. There you go. A little trivia for you today. There you go. Yeah. Roasted chicory root tastes similar to coffee with a nutty, earthy, and woody character. Chicory is oft, often used to make New Orleans-style coffee using a mix of coffee and chicory. 
That's more than you ever wanted to know about Shikri. That would actually be a pretty good show. Uh, it is 80%. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. It is as dark as the soul of a Baptist on Saturday night. Wow. <laughs> Can you repeat the dark as a soul of a Baptist on a Saturday night? Yeah. I'm trying to picture that. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> you know, when they're out clubbing or at the bar. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe a Presbyterian. I don't know about a Baptist. That's our southern. That's our joke for our southern audience. There we Insert go. Insert your go. religion there. Yeah. Just whatever you want. All right. Yeah, I did think the can art could possibly win a. Uh, what are they called? The the Chuggy Award. Yeah, the, from the craft booth, the... Uh, yeah, Chuggies, I think is what he called Chuggies? it. Chuggies? Okay. Yeah. That could... Uh, that what would definitely be there? a candidate. <clears throat> uh, I've got a uh, Duvel. Is that the... Hopefully double. I'm pronouncing that correctly. A double. I got you a double. <laughs> it's interesting that um, on their website, they have a 1U, whereas on the can, they have... I'm sorry. I'm reading. I'm looking at that completely wrong. That's it's duel. Duel. Have you had already? <laughs> Let me start over. I don't even know anything about this. I don't even know how to pronounce it. It just looked cool. I think it is UV because the U and the V are not the same. If you're looking at the script, that's true. That's true. I mean, so if it's had duel. a few, they look the same. <laughs> I promise you, I have to add a single beer. On this episode, this is my first, and I have not been smoking any pot. Um, so uh, I noticed the here's the thing that attracted me. So I'm at the uh, at the craft uh, or at the uh, the liquor store, mm-hmm. and they've still got these. I saw these over the holidays. So they got these. Um, they're a it's a, a discovery pack. You know, if you've yes. never even had one, right. have you seen these? I have not, but I mean, I've seen packs like them. Yes. Yeah. They they the glass and pack. Everything. Yeah. They got the glass and everything. Nice. It says, you know, it's got four premium Belgium. So this is a Belgian uh, beer. So they've got the, uh, the six, 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 which is the, uh, where they get that is the, uh, that's actually the, uh, <laughs> alcohol content. it's not a, it's the alcohol content. Not it's, it's not a devil beer. Uh, it's IPA. Um, it's got an IPA. It's got the, the, um, the Belgian blonde, which I'm having today. And, uh, and then the, uh, it's got an IPA Citra and then an IPA cashmere. I don't know what that is. So do all uh, of them have the same alcohol? Yeah, they all have the same 666 alcohol. content. Hmm. So, yep. Each one of them. Wow. That's a, that's a strange coincidence. Yeah, it is. It really is. Um, yeah, I'm a Hopefully sucker for I'm those right. gift packs, you know, with the glasses in them and things like that. Well, here's the thing. It, it kind of made me think about our episode today, and we'll get into this, but it's, um, you know, our topic today, we're, we're, we're talking on Chapter 5 on the process of maturation. And so this is kind of an example of how, um, so, you know, one of, one of the things that we can discuss is examples of how brands kind of revive things or... Yeah. Um, how to, I guess, repurpose or create new packaging when things grow stale, you know, during the maturation of a product or whatever. So 
great example of a company that obviously, hey man, you know, you know, you can buy this beer, you can buy this, you know, in a six pack the normal way, or we can create some kind of uh, special edition or a what we call a discovery pack, where people can uh, buy a, a four pack with a with a glass, and it does it did, did come with a glass, Sean. A little glass Very there, cool. and uh, and we can upcharge big time on that. We can upsell that thing big time and make some money during the during a you know uh, uh, the a seasonal promotion or you know yeah, what happens. Usually, they roll those out usually at Christmas and yep. You know, so you must have had a leftover there. So yeah, I think you're I in think. a different chapter than I am because you're back on page forty five and I was starting on page fifty nine. So we'll oh okay. We'll yeah, out. I'm looking at the summary. It says chapter five, process of maturation. Maybe I am all uh, over the place. Maybe the summary's wrong. <laughs> oh, well. So anyway, it says, it says it's on our cheat sheet, Sean, our talking points, how can companies revive older products? So Yeah, I guess, um, I, uh, I, guess I didn't check that early. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, anyway, so well, who knows what we'll use AI, man. Just, uh, <laughs> you gotta I will check your work. That's right. That's right. All right. So, uh, so with that said, so I, like I said, I'm having a, um, I'm having a blonde, uh, no offense. I told my wife, I don't like blondes. Um, but in this case, I think it'll be pretty good. So okay. looking forward to it. Yeah. Especially a naughty blonde like that. With a <laughs> so. Yeah, so. Exactly. All right, well, cheers it up. All right. Cheers. I was terrible poor on this, by the way. That's why you see like the head up to here. I thought you just <laughs> drank half of it already. No. I was a terror. It was the worst pour ever. And I turned it sideways. So, yeah. Mm. All right. So mine is a very roasty coffee milk stout. Um, it's interesting. They called it milk sugar, um, mm -hmm. you know, as one of the ingredients. And I had to look it up. It's like milk sugar. Is that yeah. But it's basically lactose, but they did, it's kind of smart marketing to not say lactose because a lot of people are freaked out by the word lactose, <laughs> yeah. but that's basically what it is. So they yeah. just called it milk sugar. <clears throat> it looks, it looks amazing. It is good. Um, I'm going to give this on a scale of one to five pints. I'm going to pull a number out of the air and give it a, and I've had some good ones lately. So I'm going to give this a 4.75. Ooh, 4.75. Yeah. Very good. We're in my wheelhouse as far as tight as far as types of beer this month. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on this one, I think it's very good um, for a blonde ale. I'm going to give it a. Um, I'm going to give it a solid four. I'm going to give it a four one. You know, typically not a go to for me, especially not this time of year. Um, but it's good. It's yeah. it's refreshing. So yeah. on a day like today where it's 60, you know, mid 60s, um, you know, days like today would be, you know, perfect for it. With sun's out, this would be a nice, uh, a nice blonde ale to have out while you're, you know, hitting the links, you know, All right. so refreshing. Very nice. All right. Well, let's jump in. Um <laughs> Yeah, the notes on this thing are way wrong. I have to, I'll have to edit those at some point. Um, but yeah, let's talk about how to revive a dead product. That's a good, good little part. That's actually in chapter, still in chapter three, I think. Yeah. Okay. Chapter three, on page forty-five. Yeah, it was a it, dead product. 
it is weird because I was going through chapter five in the book. I'm like, um, after I had pulled this from the notes, I'm like, mm, where where is this in chapter five? <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> uh, oops. Place is falling apart, man. <laughs> Um, you blame it on the beer. I know, I know we can't. Uh, so yeah. So where do you want to start on this? Uh, I'm game for wherever we want to begin in this book. I mean, we we're probably going to close out, but next week we'll kind of finish out the book. So, uh, and then we'll get on, but, um, you know, I think last week we were talking about, obviously we hit the state, we hit the state of awareness. Um, and we got into, uh the power of new um yeah, let's, let's jump in with the kind of how to revive a dead product i think that's interesting to a lot of people okay kind of the core thing he talks about here this is um you know this is after it's gone through the different stages of sophistication um the fourth stage is when things just get really you know over the top people are making all kinds of crazy claims and then people just start tuning out right mm-hmm so at that point, you've got now kind of a dead campaign, dead product. And what you do is you, he says that the emphasis begins to shift from the promise of what it can do and the mechanism. So let's take something that we all know, like P90X, right? P90X yeah. was huge. Right. But even it eventually died off, right? Mm-hmm. P90X was about, you know, building muscle, getting in shape. That was the promise in 90 days. The mechanism, do you remember the mechanism, Jonathan? Um, the it, mechanism it was... a two-word phrase that, that made that whole promo work. Muscle uh, it's, confusion. Oh, muscle confusion. Okay, I forgot about that. You remember that? They were like, yeah, you got to switch things up. You got to keep your muscles confused. Muscle confusion is the key to... Right, off. right. Yep. Yeah, totally made up word, phrase, um, but that was the mechanism for that product. So once that doesn't work, then what you have to do is you have to ship, shift to identification with the prospect himself or herself. So what you're doing is you're, you're, you're saying the type of you, – you start talking about the type of person who buys a product like this more than right. the product itself. Yep. High achievers, executives, like or whatever they found there. Because by this time, you should have some data. Mm-hmm. You can look at your best customers and you can say, oh, okay, according to the Facebook pixel, according to whatever, this seems to be my buyer, you know, yeah. male executives over 40, right? Right. So you're like, hey, if you're a high-performing executive over 40, this is the only workout problem you'll, workout program you'll ever need, right? You, and you yeah. kind of shift towards the identity of the consumer mm-hmm. instead of the, right. the mechanism and the promise of the product. And sure. That's how you can revive a dead product is to go back to the identity of your ideal customer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like weight loss. I mean, same for, for workouts, weight loss. I mean, there's a million uh, areas of data to pull from yeah. in the weight loss industry. Like the same person that's out to lose, uh, you know, a hundred pounds, you know, they're not in the same category as somebody that wants to lose 20 pounds. Right. I mean, it's totally different segment. Um, you know, I talked to, I used to have a client years ago in the bariatric, um, he was in the bariatric industry, weight loss surgery, 
you know, and he like <laughs> his industry, like his target market were people that were, uh, like 300. I mean, they were, yeah, exactly. In fact, he was like, he did uh, a feature on what was the TLC. I'm trying to think of the TLC program that was like half, I think it was half ton mom. Uh, you have my that ran, life, like all those. yeah, yeah. Those, those types of, um, yeah, those types of demographics or shows that people tune into. That just blows those, my mind that there's an entire segment of those people. Yeah. Like, not to be judgy, <laughs> like I just, yeah. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't see them, but that's because they can't leave their house. Right. Ooh, yeah. I don't see them. I mean, I absolutely. See, I see plenty of overweight people. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. See one in the mirror every morning, but not that. <laughs> yeah, and like and like that type of overweight, Sean, that you're referencing. I mean, when you when you and I like as the middle age weight, that's not his. Like he would say, "I can't help you. You're not right. a candidate." Like yeah. that's not who I'm pointing. You know, I'm yeah, I'm looking like for people that laps, buddy. That's all you need. <laughs> exactly, like... exactly. You have you have the capabilities to to do this, and yeah. so that segment would be more targeted. Our segment. Sean would be more targeted to, you know, middle-aged guys who just need to like improve, um, you know, maybe, maybe more muscle training, um, you know, maybe more time to, uh, focus on, you know, cardiovascular or, you know, I think muscle training is big for our age. I think it's a big, it's a very important for our age. Or you could even take another route in and say, you know, testosterone. Boosting, yeah, yeah, replacement ex- therapy. Replacement so, therapy, absolutely. Hey, having a hard time putting on muscle and losing weight like you used to in the twenties. Yeah, you could be on low. You could have low testosterone. Right, right. And then you, yeah. you know, that's that's really that's what we're seeing a lot of in our age group is, mm-hmm. is that whole mm-hmm. OT. You know, yep. Whether it's eugenics or actual replacement clinics, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think and that's, that's where they're doing, yeah they're doing the identity because weight loss and and gym routines and all that kind of stuff. When you, when you're 50, you've been seeing those for 30 years. Right. You know, in magazines and everything else. And you're just kind of numb to them. Yeah. And then, so you start switching to the identity of the problem you have. It's like, Hey, are you you a guy in your fifties having a hard time putting on muscle like you used to having the energy used to, yeah, um, all that kind of stuff. You're like, yes. Right. Absolutely. So, cause we've moved, as guys who are 50, we've moved through all the stages of market sophistication mm-hmm. over the years when it comes to working out in gyms and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. So it does take something a little bit different uh, to get our attention. Yeah. Um, whereas a 20 year old who can follow any program out there and get results. Yeah. You know, same for women. You know, women go from uh, when they start getting into middle age and they're doing, um, you know, having. Um, menopause symptoms and things like that menopause issues right that is not the same market as the 25 or 30 year old who wants to lose 10 pounds for bikini season of course yeah it's a very different and if you don't understand the nuance in those two they're both weight loss uh you will not speak to the same and if you have the wrong images i mean you know Mm -hmm. on your website oh absolutely yeah if you've got a ripped fitness model on your website and you're trying to work to someone who's got menopause it might be yeah. 30 pounds overweight, still has, you know, the weight from the two or three kids they had. Mm-hmm. That person is not going to identify with a fitness model on your website or on your right. commercials. Yeah. It's a, it's a turnoff. Completely different. Yeah. 
it's, it's like, much like I mean, it's like totally unrealistic for them at this point. Mm-hmm. Same in the in in you know golf. Or they think it like, is anyway. Like the like golf like golf programs or golf equipment, all things are not equal in the yep. world of golf. You know, a twenty year old golfer is uh, is you know their needs are completely different than a forty year old golfer or a fifty year old golfer, and and you know what they need. I mean, it's all about you know you know driving for show when you're younger and yeah. and. Uh, and as you get older, you're like, <laughs> I, need to, I need to be more strategic and I just need to be able to swing the golf club, <laughs> you know, without, uh, you know, throwing my hip out and, um, you know, or, uh, or pulling something along the way and just yeah. maintaining, you know, yeah. consistency. You, realize, you start realizing there's other clubs in the bag too. It's like, oh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's yeah. a reason there's more irons than there are woods in, in the bag. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so yeah, every, I think that's a good point that every industry, um, and across the board has different, um, you know, different age brackets, different demographics within those niches. And the fact that you can progress or follow the maturation of that product through a lifetime of people that have, you know, been buyers or been followers of XYZ product and, you've, but the, the thing is you, as they mature, as they, as the product matures, as your audience matures, you have to change with that and understand the needs change. Yeah. Um, desires change. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. And, and actually the good thing is, is like <laughs> the disposable income typically goes up, you know, so, True. uh, you know, through that maturation of your audience, hopefully. So, yeah. Yes. But, you know, it's like the baby boomers, you know, um, big companies have followed their entire life journey and you see other brands that will probably do, you know, similar stuff. Yeah. You know, when baby boomers came on, right. You started selling cars and houses when they came back. Mm-hmm. Before. Then you started yeah. selling them diapers and baby formula and toys mm-hmm. and you started selling them, you know, and you just follow them all the way. Now you're selling them diapers again, but just right. Absolutely. For a different reason. Yep. So, <laughs> Go from selling them pampers to depends. That is that's right. That is great lifetime value. Yeah, you know for sure for, the, for those those companies. Um, it's not the same product, but you know it, it's interesting mm-hmm. to. It's a good example of kind of following someone through their life and seeing how their needs change. Yeah, you know, the products they buy are going to change. That's just the way things happen in your market. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and you could have new people coming into. You could stay in one market and have new people come in all the time. Yeah. Um, but a way that a lot of companies spin off businesses is by following that original core mm-hmm. into a new stage of life. And they kind of spin right. off a business. Yeah, for sure. Those people, you know? Yeah. So you could, you could, that's a good way to multiply businesses. Well, let's talk about, uh, we can just real quick look at chapter four. So chapter four is ta- is called 38 ways to strengthen your headline. Once you have your basic idea, um, kind of the big thing he talks about here is what he calls verbalization. Yep. And he says, verbalization is the art of increasing the impact of a headline by the way in which it is stated. So um, he gives an example, uh, lose weight. We've been talking about that. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty boring. You know, not many people are going to, you know, get excited about that. So you have to create, and this is where his other book, The Brilliance Breakthrough, 
is the yeah. reason he wrote it. Right. It's because it's lose weight is very hard for people to immediately, for their brains to immediately picture. Right. But if I say, look, two dress sizes smaller in the mirror, mm-hmm. instantly you get a picture of that in your mind, either of yourself or someone standing in front of a mirror. Uh, Jonathan, I know you look at yourself in the mirror in dresses all the time. So that probably really <laughs> resonates with you. Um, all the time. All the time. Um, <laughs> I mean, they, they do have some really nice women's golf apparel now. So you should, uh, that's right. That so one thing he talks about here, some of the, uh, ways that he talks about doing this is one is to measure the size of the claim. Now mm-hmm. in some niches, you can't even do this on like Facebook ads. Like you can't give specific, like, you, yeah, it's really hard now to say lose 15 pounds in 15 days. That's that'll almost get you banned. Right. But here's a, here's an example. Like he uses, I like, this is interesting because he uses, uh, one example. I am 61 pounds lighter dot, 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 you know? Yeah. So that's a testimonial style ad. So you can get away with that. Absolutely. You can get away with that all the, all the time on, on Facebook because you're, it's a testimonial ad, uh, and it's not making a claim. So let's, let's, let's use that little formula. I am 61 Mm -hmm. pounds lighter and use it for golf. So you might say, I shot five strokes or I shaved five strokes off my game. Yeah. My last round. Yeah. I shaved five mm-hmm. strokes off my last round. Yep. That's going to get most golfers attention. Absolutely. Or I shot in the eighties for the first time ever. Yes. You know, since doing X, Y, Z, you know? Yep. So you know, it's um, like, there's another one he has for measure the size of the claim. Whoever heard of 17,000 blooms from a single plant? For those, for those gar- rose gardeners out there, yeah, uh, which I know is most of our our market listening. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of amateur rose gardeners in the audience <laughs> today. Um, you know, it's funny because I mean, he goes through. There's a lot of different things. Did you have like I had some written where I so in number three he says uh, compare the claim. Yeah. Um, actually, no, the one below that metaphor metaphorize the claim. Okay. Um, so banishes corns, melts away ugly fat. So you're you're kind of using a metaphor. Mm-hmm. And I actually have three written out here that I thought um, reminded me of. And one was bounty, the quicker picker upper. Um, I don't know if I have that in compare the claim. Yeah, that's in compare the claim. So in compare it, bounty, the quicker picker upper. That's a comparison, right? It's quicker than other towels. Right. And that yeah. line has been around for 50 years now. That's one of the yeah. greatest ad lines that is overlooked. Yep. Of, you know, I mean, it just keeps on working. Um, yeah. You know, I wrote down here, ignite lead flow as an example of a, a metaphor type word, right? Ignite, ign- you wouldn't actually put your lead, turn your leads on fire, right? But ignite lead mm-hmm. flow sounds cool. And it's like, oh yeah, that's start a fire. Like that's, yeah. that's positive. Yeah. Um, Melts away ugly fat, dissolves stains is another one I had written down. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like that. So and those are those are images. I mean, you can picture, yeah. you can visualize. I mean, yeah, melts words, ugly fat. Yeah. The word melt, you you can think of an ice cube. You can think of different things that melt, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you just say lose ugly fat, your brain can't really. There's not a clear picture for the word lose. Right. Unless it's a sporting event. Because you're like, okay, how is this? 
Where's right, it? There's a couple. There's a couple little steps. How is it going? That your brain has to figure out with a word like lose. Yeah. You know, it's like okay, is that lose like lose a game? And it happens mm-hmm. very quick, but it's still work for your brain, and it derails yep. it. Yep. So you want to use words that, again, his like melts or flushes or yeah. does you know dissolves Visual or words. Words yeah. that create a picture immediately in your mind. Yeah. Yep. Um, what are some other ones? I like this sensitize, which is number five. So you mm-hmm. just pay, basically take your five senses, right? Sight, sound, feel, yeah. touch, um, taste, and taste like you just picked it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So that says a lot right there, right? Just yep. fresh, uh, mm-hmm. quality, whatever. Yep. Um, skin you love to touch. You can kind of see that in your mind's eye. Um, and Absolutely. It's, it's very relatable. So we'll skip around. What about one of the, the uh, I think this is, wasn't this the uh, David Ogilvy at 60 miles an hour, the loudest noise in the Rolls Royce is the electric clock. So this, that's something you can visualize in picture or hear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're driving this Rolls Royce and like the only thing that I hear is the, a tick, you know, ticking clock. Yeah. You know, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, Cause you gotta be, I mean, you gotta be pretty quiet to be able to hear a ticking clock, you know, yeah. in your, uh, in your vehicle. Yeah. And it's interesting cause, so this is what's really interesting about this book and kind of the, the, the thing I wanted to talk about in chapter five. So chapter four is just more of this stuff. And it's basically all the formulas that you see a lot of people use. A lot yep. of them come from these 38 different things. Oh, sure. Yeah. Now here's, what's really funny. He lists all those out. He gives examples. He tells you how to do it. He t- gives you the formulas. And then in chapter five, he talks about the three levels of creativity. Mm-hmm. And the first level is, he says, quote, the first, the shallowest and the most widespread and ineffective is the word substitute technique. Here, the copywriter consults the list of proven and successful headlines. Mm-hmm. He then pulls out the original product name and su- substitutes his own or his own products, performance, etc. He usually comes up with something like this. I'd walk a mile for a cup of blank coffee. Yeah. Right? You could fill in any name. So I think it's really, it's kind of funny that he gave all these examples and he's like, yeah, that's the worst <laughs> way to do it. <laughs> um, I'd never noticed that before. It's just kind of funny um, this time. And then he says the second, so we're talking about the creative, the levels of creativity. And he mm-hmm. says the second deeper and more difficult approach is through formulas. Here the copywriter has memorized a list of rules or principles and tries to pour his headlines into them like he'd pour hot lead into a mold. It's a great mm. visual, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Such rules usually concern the way a headline is expressed. They list methods of strengthening the verbalization of the headline ideas, and they have a perfectly valid use. Several examples of these principles are given in chapter four. Again, he refers back to chapter four that he just, now he's dogging. Um, so like I've, and I've taught this as a copywriter when I'm teaching younger copywriters, even when I get stuck, I'll use these formula things where I'll look at a um, magazine cover. Yeah. Right. And it's got, you know, all magazine covers have the same kind of formulas, regardless of the niche. Yeah, pretty much. Like 17 trips you can't miss you know, yeah pick up a copy of, of men's fitness or men's health or yeah and you know whatever glamour say um, the same yachting like 
the formulas yeah. on the little blurbs are all the same because they, yeah. they're tested and they're proven and they work. Mm -hmm. Of course. So, you know, when I'm in a pinch, I will definitely go to those and use those. And, and you know, I think they're worth testing. But this is the, I think this is the thing that I've tried to tell clients. And I think this is getting with AI, with just the speed of things today. The third level of creativity that he talks about here is one yeah. that I think we're losing. Okay. And the third level is the analytical approach. Hmm. He says, it has no answers, only guideposts and questions offer the only way. He said, and I'm going to quote, this is a paragraph. I'm just going to say the whole thing because I think people in, the, in our world need to hear it. This is a hard fact to accept. It means that a solution which has cost you days and weeks of painful effort and which has done its job perfectly can only be used once. It means that there are no creative shortcuts. The, the effort must be duplicated with each individual ad. But fortunately, the techniques of probing can be learned and perfective intuition can be sharpened. A sensitivity can be developed for picking out the vital fact from a maze of information. Um, he says, in advertising as well as science and in art, the solution to the new to the unique lies only in itself. And then he gets into what he calls motivation research. You know, we might call it market research, psychographics, whatever. And mm -hmm. it's like the best headlines come from just digging into the product, digging into the, to the market and coming right. up with that unique things. All the famous headlines you study that are now formulas were somebody's level three creativity when they came oh, yeah. with it. Yeah. You know, well, going back to the, the Rolls Royce ad, I mean, I mean, the, you just think about that. Who are the, I mean, the people that buy roll, you know, typically they're, uh, own the people that own a Rolls Royce, um, they're kind of, I mean, they're more of a refined group. I mean, you think of people that, um, are kind of, they have a special, I mean, they have a, a certain type of style right? Yeah. More elegant approach to life. Yep. They don't want to be bothered by the noise of an engine, <laughs> you know, oh. that's making, you know, too much oh, noise. Awful. So obviously that was, re I mean, you know, that headline really talked to that audience, the people that were buying a Rolls Royce, a, a person that, that reads that ad who buys a Mustang, <laughs> you know, for speed or, you know, horsepower, yeah, or a They're Dodge. not going to be impressed with that, huh? Yeah, a Dodge with the, the they want the sound, they want Absolutely. the growl from the from the. That's right. Exhaust they want the they want the pipes, that. man. They got yeah, have they those wanna, pipes. They want to feel that. Unless, or then you got the <laughs> tuner car crowd. Yeah, that wants yeah, to absolutely. hear whatever that sound is. Like, yeah. The, so this sound. That's that's not a headline for a gearhead. That's no. that's a headline for a refined audience. Yeah. And, and if you uh, read that story. That took him, I think if I remember correctly, that took him like three weeks of reading. And it yeah. was a, it was a, it was literally an engineer's notes. Exactly. That said, uh, you can only. It's kind of glossed over it. Oh it yeah, like by a, the way. It was, like a, it was like a note from one of the engineer test drives. <laughs> well, you can still hear the electric clock. It was like a, it was like damn a it. bad thing. It was like, damn, we got to oh, fix oh, oh well. Um, we could, nothing we could do about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we tried, we insulated everything, but that, that electric clock, then it's still buzzing in the background. A right. Bit. Absolutely.
and he took that. Leave it to a uh, leave it to a, an engineer <laughs> to to overlook, you know, the obvious there. Yeah. But. So you, re- I mean, I know some of my best promotions have been that kind of digging around and uh, of course, yeah. You know, one of them that that came to my, comes to mind because somewhere in here, I don't remember if it was. Oh yeah, on page sixty-five. The... On page mm-hmm. sixty-five, he says uh, he talks about splinter markets to kind of avoid competition, which we'll yeah. get back to in a minute. And I think that actually might be where I got the idea. Um, but I was doing a, a financial promotion, and the idea was there were these stocks inside of Warren Buffett's portfolio. You know, all the big mm-hmm. investors, big mutual fund managers, all those kind of stuff that there was always one or two stocks in their portfolio of 20 stocks that would outperform the rest of the portfolio combined. And I, I remember calling those splinter stocks. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, so they kind of splinter off and they outperform the rest of the portfolio. And if you could identify those, yep, you could actually do better than the fund manager is doing who has to buy all the stocks. Oh, absolutely. So we built, I built this whole promo around this idea of, look, you know, why is Warren Buffett investing more in Coke than he has all these other companies combined? Why is, and I can't even remember the name of the other managers, but why is so-and-so Ray Dalio, whoever, you Mm -hmm. know, investing in this one stock, these are called splinter stocks. And I've built this whole story around this idea of splinter stocks, but it took a lot of digging and looking at you know, SEC filings and sure. pages yeah. of spreadsheets for all these different big mutual fund companies and to see this trend and to find the trend um, instead of saying, you know, follow Warren Buffett or, you know, whatever. You know, <laughs> right. It's like, that wouldn't have sold anything. But when you talk about these mysterious splinter stocks. That's right. That... Uh, and I gave it the name, but uh-huh. you can see it. So I, when I put all the charts together, you could see every stock. It would splinter off from the rest of the, mm-hmm. you'd have like 20 charts that were all following each other. And then you'd have one that skyrockets. Right. And that promo ran for like three years. Oh yeah. Just a, you know, just a good idea. So that only comes from research. Another one that I did in that financial space, um, was, it was called, the headline doesn't sound that special. Um, is world record oil discovery. And we had a picture of a blunt flame, but it was buried. And this is one thing I learned at Agora for research. We would spend two to three weeks researching investor presentations from companies. Like you go to a, a public company site and there's always a tab somewhere that, that you can find usually in the footer links that says investor presentations. Right. And it's the presentations they put together to make, to get money from, you know, BlackRock or Goldman Sachs or whoever, right, for their their stuff. And that's where some of the best information is because that's where they're trying to sell the people yeah. who are going to give them money. Absolutely. So all their best ideas, all their most <laughs> things they're most excited like, about are buried right. in those reports. Yeah. And they're public, but they're not like public, public, right? You have to yeah, dig for yeah, them. they're you have to dig for them. Yeah, but they're obviously they're gold because, like you said, they're they're going out to people that are, I mean, substantial. I mean, these are sizable, uh, you know, investment firms or or you know, banking organizations that you know can benefit them. Yeah, and I used to tell younger copywriters, and still tell myself, like, 
a lot of times these breakthrough ideas are going to be found in the process of the, you know, whether it's the, you know, a process of making a widget, if that's yeah. what you're selling, um, the process of some type of whatever process you have for whatever you're selling. Right. It could be in the people in the company or the people, the customers, but it's usually found in process or people was kind of yeah. the things I, I narrowed it down to. Yep. Um, but man, it takes digging. Like it does get, a lot of spend, research. Like you can get a lot of psychographic stuff with AI now, and you can get a lot of, you know, kind of broader market research and even some niche market research. That's really good and, and saves a lot of time. But the type of stuff we're talking about here is, is stuff that, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta dig for and you gotta poke around yeah. for. And it's, it takes a lot it reminds of reminds me. This this section that we're, we're we're into about these, obviously these splinter markets reminds me of blue. You know, you, you know that book yeah. Blue Ocean Strategy. Yep. You know where you're you're always looking for uh, markets where there's uncontested. You know, market space. You know, there's li very little competition, and there's always I don't care what industry or market you're looking at. There's always areas that you can you know, break into with, you know, maybe the volume or the, uh, you know, the, the, the competition is not as strong, but there's also the, the audience isn't quite as big, but they're still very profitable areas yeah, that you can be a part of. Absolutely. Here's another example I have kind of handwritten in here. It's not part mm -hmm. of the book, but I wrote it in here because I remember reading about it. Do you remember the Febreze story? Yes. How yeah. what actually happened with Febreze? We may yeah. have talked about this. Four yeah, because it ago. did start out as a, um, it 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 came about as something other than what it was originally intended to be. Yeah, they did all these research. They they couldn't get it to sell, and they you know they they were doing the market research. They were having people use it, and they were coming in. And, you know, the people would spray it, and yeah. then once they were done spraying it, they would get this little moment where they'd be like. It's kind of a finishing touch, so yeah. to speak. Like, it was like at the end of everything else that you've done. It was like a flourish. I'm going to add this on. Not, it wasn't a part of the process. I mean, it wasn't like at the beginning. It was near, it was like the finishing touch. And they right. didn't realize that, right? Yeah, but they were thinking it was going to be like Lysol, right? Where you're really yeah. trying to pound out. And I think that is right. how they sell Febreze now. Mm -hmm. you know, it, it is more about eliminating odors now and stuff like that. Yeah. But in the beginning, it was about that kind of final cherry on top mm -hmm. ribbon, you know, on the package that, yeah. like that moment of satisfaction okay. after cleaning a room type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and they only found that out by like just tons of research and, you know, and as a marketer, yeah, they were going to people's ability. homes, like, right. Yeah. I mean, they would like watch people clean and, yeah. and vacuum and do all the stuff. And then like, they were like, okay, so they're spraying the stuff at the end when everything's already done. Like, yeah. And, and see, that's like, where I think a lot of smaller direct response companies, things like that can really learn from, from some of the yeah. stuff that big brands do. Oh, sure. Now you may not have the budget to do that, but how could you do something? I know mm -hmm. there's copywriters. I think Gary Halbert was one. Um, he would actually go to like a, I can't, I don't know if it's a Gary Halbert or not, but, I remember a, a, a writer, I think they might've done some financial stuff. They would go to a country club 
mm-hmm. and they would they would hang out in the bar with the country club people and then ask them yeah. questions about whatever they were working on because mm. they knew that was their target market. I should do that. <laughs> yeah, um, and just kind of yeah, ask questions. Did. Yeah, what do you what do you think about so and so? You know, what do you think about the election? Mm-hmm. What do you think about this? Right, yeah. and get like real world feedback. And right. he said that writer was like it would always blow him away that you know what he thought was the thing that was people would be upset about it was some weird little thing over here right yeah um so yeah stuff like so that that kind of you know boots on the ground research as we might mm-hmm. call it um you know digging old into school the reporting yeah exactly very much um which you don't see anymore but i mean no, it's all sensational <laughs> it's all quick let's get the click right. all that kind of stuff yeah it makes um, me think you know um talking about the, you know, the Febreze Listerine too, like what started out as one thing ended up completely, you know, Listerine never started out as a mouthwash. Um, you know, they were trying to sell, weren't they trying to sell it, Sean, to like dentists in, the, you know, as an antiseptic I or. I don't remember that one. I thought you were going to say it was like a battery cleaner or something. Well, it's pretty, it's pretty rough. <laughs> you might be able to clean a battery, but no, I think they were using it for in the medical uh, maybe they were selling it, trying to sell it to doctors, but that was like a sterilization thing. Maybe yeah, or yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it didn't. They never had any, you know, conceived notion of it being a, uh, you know, a mouthwash in the beginning. Yeah. But that's something they learned from market research and like, okay, <laughs> halitosis. What is yeah. that? That's not even a thing. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Totally um, made up. Halitosis is completely a completely made up term. Like yeah. it did not exist until Listerine came around. Well, same with so um, you can look it up. Same with ten thousand steps. Yeah, that was a, a Japanese one of the first companies in Japan in the sixties <laughs> that made up the first pedometer. Yeah, they actually picked ten thousand steps because the the Japanese character for ten thousand steps looks like a man walking. So that's what they picked. Oh wow! And that's since incredible. then, so everybody everybody's thinks... done studies on ten thousand steps and verified sure. that it is useful. Well, of course it's useful. You're moving, right? But it's yeah. not the ten thousand steps. It could be seven. It could be twelve. And mm-hmm. Like ten thousand is not magical. Yeah, but it's just funny. Like, is a marketing company that made that? And so much of our world is actually mm-hmm. stems from marketing. I mean, breakfast. Yeah. Breakfast absolutely. is a marketing thing. It's not a actual need for right. the human body, right? It's, it's yep. pure marketing. Yep. Um, so I want to cover one, one other thing. I know you get, you're running short on time because we want to get you out on the links. Um, we've talked about a lot of stuff. I want to just kind of go over this paragraph because I think it's important. Again, and this is quote, again, this process may take weeks or even months to really find that big idea. And at sure. the end of that time, you may have written five or 10 words. Mm-hmm. These five or 10 words will make up about 90% of the value of your ad. If you are right, they may start a new industry. If you are wrong, nothing you write after them will save your ad. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Copywriting on the idea level is an all or nothing profession. Yeah. You build your idea piece by piece. You crowd it into five or 10 words. And then it stands or dies by itself and everything that follows it stands or dies with it. For sure. This is why we have devoted so much time to the planning process. 
of writing mm-hmm. copy. Yeah. And I think most people don't realize that really good copy takes weeks, if not yeah. months, to get that first <clears throat> to get that headline. Absolutely. Most yeah. of the work is all in the research and investigation side of things and really understanding, you know, what people want or what problems that you like another thing is like what problems exist that you haven't invented because some problems can be invented that you oh, haven't sure. figured out yeah like how um, yeah yeah i mean like you can make up a term that people have no idea what it is and you know give some credence to it and then you know hire you know professionals phds um scientists doctors yeah. <laughs> to back you up you know it's like okay here we go we just invented something and well it's, it's kind of like um i used to work with a guy who worked at proctor and gamble and he, he always yeah. told me the story when he was working there they had 150 engineers working on making Charmin softer yeah like i didn't know that was a big problem you know like i know there's like you don't want yeah. the, the airport toilet paper right that's super thin and rough but at some point, like, do you need 150 people working on the softness of Charmin? Like, yeah. that seems a little much, right? <laughs> and, you know, but they that's their whole thing, right? They, they made a whole brand around soft. Absolutely, yeah. So they, they continued to feed the machine and feed the beast. And, mm-hmm. um, you know. Yeah. My opinion is Charmin's too soft. We don't use it because it's too yeah. soft. But Well, it clogs up the toilet. Yeah. Because it's too thick. <laughs> Um, yeah. uh, so there's another, see, I just created another industry, uh, problem right there. Too yeah. soft, too thick can back your, you know, back your septic up. Who knows? Are you, I are mean, you using the best toilet paper, you could be ruining your pipes. Yeah. That's right. So, uh, um, so yeah, there's all kinds of problems that you can invent, create, but the bottom line is you got to research and most of the work that's done in really good copy, uh, you know, comes from the research side of things in the time that's spent as a investigative reporter, so to speak, that's like fact, you know, fact finding, digging, you know, talking to people, you know, like you said, I love the fact that there's still, you know, it used to be, there used to be reporters out there. Um, that's not a thing anymore. There's no such thing as reporters. There's just, there's a few like local TV stations. Sure. They'll They'll do the, yeah. The local investigative guy that, yeah, that goes almost, even that's almost a gimmick for ratings. Sure. Yeah. Right. It's not. Yeah. um, And it's more from a consumer advocate standpoint, you know, it's like, but you know, back in the day, there used to be like real reporting, like people like dog type reporting. Yeah. Like, yeah, people, you know, people with like shoe leather on the ground, like walking, you know, walking into pubs and places, you know, establishments that people, you know, would frequent on a regular basis and just talking to people, like getting feedback from people. And that's just not a thing anymore. So if you can do that, if you can get on the level of like the average uh, schlep out there, that the the average buyer out there, the consumer, Mm -hmm. the guy that spends money on a regular basis in your industry and understands. Um, so, you know, that's, yeah. And it's ironic because a lot of copywriters, you know, and you know, even info marketers and things like <clears> that, <throat> they get into the business because, because they can kind of hide behind a computer. Right. Right. And they, I mean, just, I they think it's, yeah. 
I mean, I, yeah. I like being behind the computer and writing and spending my Absolutely. days, you know, kind of by myself. But right. um, I remember one of the, the projects I worked on at Agora, uh, one of the first ones, you know, we got to a certain point and, and my copy chief was like, all right, here's who you need to go interview. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Or was, and I had to go to like yeah. drive 50 yeah. miles to the other side of town. Um, Absolutely. I interviewed this guy and it was great because I learned a bunch of stuff mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. got to actually handle the product we were talking about. And yeah, it was really cool. So, yeah, absolutely. And it was just, I learned some stuff that way that I could have dug through the internet for, you know, mm -hmm. weeks and not really experienced the same yeah. way. So, absolutely. Um, well, I guess we will not talk about RB, um, uh, since you got to run. Uh, no, nah, I want to go ahead. Let's see. Let's okay, throw it out quick. Man. Yeah. So over the past week, sometime, I think it was last weekend as, as far as when we're recording this, yeah. um, it's been about a week by the time this, this episode airs, Russell Brunson this is was, crazy. Cause Russell like Brunson was coaching his son. Yeah. So he's a parent and a coach at a wrestling meet. Basically, uh, mm -hmm. his son looks like the, the opponent to his son had mm -hmm. a chokehold on him. Some people mm -hmm. say it wasn't a choke. Some people say it was. I'm not that advanced of a wrestler. I don't know for sure. Yeah. Um, Russell jumps in, pulls the, the kid off, the opponent off. Some people say that he hit him twice. Some people say he just kind of slapped his back. That's yet remains to be seen. The video's out there if you want to look at it. Right. Um, you know, and it's caused this whole kind of, you know, gossip thing. I mean, we're talking about it. Other people are talking about it and, and people are really falling on two sides, right? It's like, you should never hit a kid no matter how light or whatever, you know, especially in a, did he hit him or just pull him off? He like, hit him. He, he okay. slapped him at least. Um, yeah. And he, some people say punched. It's hard to tell yeah. the video short. It's quick. Um, mm -hmm. some new angles are coming out. Um, even, you know, more angles are coming out because as you imagine a high school meet, there's probably all kinds of cameras that were actually there. sure. Yeah. Um, I don't really care one way or the other. Like, yeah. like here's, so here's my takeaways from it. Mm -hmm. When you grow an audience, you grow attention. Yeah. And everything you do gets scrutinized. I yep. think what happened here is here's a guy who's, Built a good business for himself. A lot of people love what he does. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he made a mistake. I think he was wrong in the fact that I think I, I commented on somebody's post who was, they said Russell Brunson's a good person, a good man. I don't know, I, I don't understand why people are jump. You know, you know, talking about him like this. And right. My comment was: you can be a good man and still make a mistake and still do something stupid. Oh, of course. And overreact because we're all human beings. Yeah, I think that's what happened. Is he overreacted, and you know, it got caught on video. He's popular. He's rich. Like all that stuff. You know, he's in a small yeah. town, and it just blew up really quick. Right. Here's another thing that I think is interesting, and, and uh, actually, a, a mutual friend of ours, Jonathan, um, was we were talking about this this morning, mm -hmm. and he was like, you know what? He's like, even if he gets sued, which he will, um, there's already lawsuits and he'll lose. I mean, he'll settle sure. out of court, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, that's a kind of open and shut case. 
Um, yeah. And there wasn't like an injury. It's more of the, it's more of the premise than it is like somebody got hurt. It's more of the, yeah. you know, it's more of the situation was out of hand than like somebody actually got hurt. So it's not like mm-hmm. somebody got hurt, hurt. Um, but here's the thing we were talking about. Like when you have an audience like that, that he has, yeah, he'll run one promotion to pay for whatever lawsuit of course. happens and he'll pay it off. And yeah. our friend, he reminded me of a Dan Kennedy quote, which was send the bill to the herd. <laughs> Every time. Yeah. Right. You know, so you got a bill, exactly. do, tax bill, you want to yep. put in a pool. I mean, the Beatles well, that's said, what he you know, write yourself a swimming pool. Dan's right. case, it was like, uh, yeah, if he wanted to buy another horse, uh, racehorse yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Send the bill to the herd. Um, so yeah. as foolish as it might've been, you know, and as out of line <clears throat> as he might've been. Yeah. The fact is he's built, it's only a big deal because he built himself to be a big deal. Like yeah. And he has a, he has a deal. resource at his disposal, which this is a good lesson is like, um, if you're well, it's, it's one thing being wealthy. Cause yeah. I mean, if you've, if you're wealthy through, you know, investments or whatever, you know, you can, sometimes you take a hit like that and it's, it's, you know, it's a severe dent in your portfolio. But if you have yeah. an audience, if you have a uh, platform where you have, you know, a, a, you know, an audience that tunes into you or that subscribes to you, or it's a massive audience that follows everything you do. Yeah. You might, you might lose a few followers, uh, in this process or throughout this. And they're like, ah, that bottom line is, you know, people are going to still follow you and people are still going to buy from you. So you just, you know, he's going to tap, like you just said, he's going to tap right back into that. Yep. And he what might even tie it into something. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a little risky. I was wondering like, yeah, it's like knockout. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. That might knock- be. <clears throat> his, his lawyer may step in on that one. That might be edgy. Yeah. Yeah. A little too edgy. Right. At least for the attorney. Like, yeah. I can see other people doing, but mm-hmm. today. But, you know, it's it's interesting to watch, um, you know, the people in his world that have either been past customers, our customers, or whatever, and just the division and like the polarity and yeah. just like people picking sides like right away. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's what you want. You know, you in want. his in his defense, that would uh, and you know what would work in his defense is is really just embracing the mistake. You know, yeah. Which I don't know if I don't know what his reaction was, but uh, a lot of people that just say, you know, everybody has like if you have a kid out there who's you know in the same situation, and you're not sure how that would play out. Like, right. You know, you're wrestling and you're not sure how how that would play out. You're like, Hey, I made a mistake. It was reaction as a father, you know, you know, most of us can understand or. Well, even that, I mean, I've seen those comments and it's right down the middle. It's like some people are like, yeah, "Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like you don't hit a kid. You don't, you don't jump in. And I think he jumped in really fast. Like, yeah. Even if if you have an illegal choke hold, I mean, the kid's got 10 seconds before he's choked out. Sure. I mean, yeah. Like it just takes 10 seconds to cut off your yeah. supply and all that kind of stuff. Right? Yep. You're not going to, I mean, yeah, right. you, maybe you could crush something if you were really in the wrong <laughs> position, but yeah, I don't think that's, 
I think it's highly yeah. unlikely. And there was a ref there. He was a little slow to act, mm-hmm. but he was pointing it out. He didn't, but he didn't even give the ref time to get in there and, and do his job. Right. And I think that's the mistake he made is, but you know, I could, here's the other, other idea I had when I was thinking about talking about this on the show, that super quick reaction mm-hmm. is what made him a division one wrestler. Yeah. One. It's also what makes him a great business person. A great entrepreneur. Yeah, is absolutely. He doesn't overthink and he just jumps into action. Absolutely. Now in this yep. case it bit him, but for the most case, that's actually a pretty good mm-hmm. um, indicator of success is that you are acting so quick and you're really almost not even thinking about it. Right. Right. In this case, yep. it, it's not, but you can see how his whole life he's been a quick action person. Yes. And that served him really well. And in this case, it's, one time it just and that and some people like i can see how that's going to divide an audience because there's some people who are going to say who are gonna who are gonna put themselves in that situation i'm more of a a you know a quick reactor or you know i take action quick on things Mm -hmm. and sometimes the result is a huge mess you know (laughs) there's a lot of mistakes involved um sometimes not sometimes it's good to act quick but sometimes it's a disaster you know as opposed to just sitting sitting still yeah yeah, i wish i had more of that i wish i could actually act quicker a lot of times i I overthink is my default yeah i wish i could think faster and do that um but yeah I, i do think he acted a little quick i think he'll be fine he'll recover Absolutely. He'll make people, it. no one will remember this in six months. I mean, it's it, already dying out. Like it was, it was all the like, thing two days ago. Yeah. Now it's, it's like, it's this already is, dying out. Um, absolutely. This is so nothing. It's, it's interesting. And like I said, I don't know what he's going to do, but I would, I would simply embrace it and say, you know what? I made a mistake. I was concerned for my child yeah. or my son. And, Price you know, checks, I, as a fort. Absolutely. As a former wrestler, I was like, I was concerned. I saw my son out there and I did what a lot of parents would do in that situation, which is like take action. And I made the, I made a mistake. And, and, uh, so yeah, I think you know, this I'm is a human one of those being. Cases. I think this yep. is one of those cases where an apology is, is good. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think there's other places yeah. like in cancel culture where you shouldn't apologize. You should stand Abs- your ground. Yeah. No, in this case, I think it would be, it would yeah. be the right thing. And and people would understand and forgive him right away if he did, you know, yeah. admit that. So, uh, but so like you said, like, he's going to, he's going to recover. He's going to rebound because people love him and people still follow. He, you know, he's a savvy business, uh, you know, entrepreneur and he's done well. So people, you know, some people will find anything to nitpick on, yep. but for the most part, people understand, you know, you're a human being. And so. Right. It's, uh, things are going to happen. I was just reading a book, you know, I don't know if you've read, um, uh, there's a new book out by Schwarzenegger. Well, it's not that new. It, I guess it came out near the end of 2023. It's like the title of it's be useful. Uh, I got it on audible. So, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger for everything that he's done and been successful for, he's got a train. It's like a train wreck of, uh, mistakes along the way. Yeah. You know, a lot of it's personal and he admits it, you know, he talks about it in the book, actually, if you, uh, listen to it, it's, it's kind of interesting, but, yeah. um, he talks about some of his personal failures with his family along the way. And so I think we have a tendency to put people on, uh, 
you know, platforms that they, we really shouldn't because we're all human beings at the end of the day. Well, we tend to only see the the shiny side of it. And then we're surprised when you're human. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, we're all absolutely. We're all, yeah. (laughs) Or if you think it can happen to you, you're deceiving yourself. Give yourself time. Give yourself time. Absolutely. Scott Adams uh, has said, more than once, uh, listening to him, you know, we're all broken, uh, human beings at the end of the day. We are, yeah, yeah that's and just part older, of our you nature. Realize that more and more. Yeah. More and more for sure. Yeah. And I think that's why people make decisions slower typically as they mm-hmm. get older, because you yeah. do understand, you start to understand consequences mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it dulls you a little bit just for the weight of that. Um, yeah. Compared to when you're in your twenties and your prefrontal cortex isn't developed, or you just haven't had enough backlash. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. Why, that's why it's a good time. But then at some point it kind of shifts and the wisdom then allows you to make better decisions. Yeah. Um, humility so, hasn't really kicked in in the, those early yeah, ages. So cat, humility, <laughs> any of those things. So you're, so you don't handle things quite the same. Yeah, uh, but sure. as you get older, I think you find, and, and in Russell's case, he's probably about our age. I think, right, mid forties, probably late forties, something like I, that. I mean, I'd and, say he's, a, yeah, he's, yeah. I think he looks. I mean, he's young, got kid. But He's older yeah. than he looks for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah, he'll be fine. This may start an existential crisis for him. Who knows? But, uh, <laughs> there's always going to be something that starts it for you. So that's right. That's right. It could spurn out another, who knows? It could create another uh, product on the back end. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some type of like therapy, something. Like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, so it's, it, you know, it's in the news, but, you know, it's mm. like anything, it's, it's a good example of, you know, having an audience, what it can do for you, how it can hurt yeah. you and help you. Um, yeah but how it can help you recover. You know, if you build mm-hmm. a brand and you have a loyal following, they will, they will follow you and they will, they will yeah. help you out even in times of trouble. In fact, you know, I saw somebody's post talk about the Marvel characters, like the fact that they're flawed. And we've talked about this on the show. The fact that they're flawed is what makes them likable. So there are a lot That's of why people, people like that, them. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of people that one like Superman. People. Yeah. People will fall more <laughs> in love with Russell because of this, a group yeah. of the people, not everybody. Mm-hmm. But his core followers will fall more in love with him um, yeah. because of how he goes through this than anything else he could have done. So yeah. not saying that you should orchestrate this kind of stuff or anything right. like that. Um, that would yeah. be stupid. But um, so, yeah. Anyway, anything else, man? No, it's good. Good stuff. The uh, the fallen hero, right? The fallen yeah. hero. We we like the fallen hero because well, he, we he's real. We went a little bit long, so you may have to use your uh, glow in the dark <laughs> golf balls. Well, um, I'm just hitting the range. I'm not actually playing. I'm okay. just hitting. I'm just hitting some balls. So. Oh yeah, well, just turn on the lights then. <laughs> Break out some neon. Yeah. And uh, do some hitting. But yeah, we'll um, balls. we'll plan on wrapping this um, wrapping our uh, segment up on breakthrough advertising next week, and we'll kind of move on and maybe. You know, get some guests. I think we have some some things yeah, we're in the works. On a couple for... guests behind the scenes haven't heard back yet. Um, okay, but I've got a couple lined up. Um, some young copywriter um, talking to him. So we'll just just get the okay. scheduling to sync up. And, yeah, uh, we should be good. So 
Excellent. If not, we'll make something up. Yeah, I mean, we love. I, I think these segments are good. I think it, like a lot of people like tune into our show, love the our discussions on these, even though it's kind of sometimes it's just all over the place. But the fact that uh, you know we try to dig into you know segments of this. I mean, Breakthrough Advertising, one of those popular books that people just you know you can go through, and it never it's timeless. It never gets old. Uh, the principles just remain the same. Um, whether it's 1968 or 2024, you know, you start reading this stuff and a lot of it's like, okay, nothing's changed a whole lot. So, and people can find that at breakthroughadvertisingbook.com. Uh, if you don't have a copy, head over there and grab a copy from our friend, Brian Kurtz, who's been on the show yes. once or twice. Yeah. He made a big exception in his life and came on on a Friday when he usually doesn't do that. So, no. um, yeah, so it's uh, it's not cheap. It's 125 bucks, or you can get the 199 and get shipping. I um, mean, get your um, get all kinds of little extras, libraries, <clears throat> videos, copies. We definitely of the ordered too soon. All these other goodies, man. I'm these got. Like, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm probably going to end up reordering that <laughs> just to get the other stuff. Absolutely, I was thinking the same thing. So, anyway. All right, man. Well, have a great weekend. You too, uh, Sean. To all of our listeners, check us out, persuasionbythepint.com. Check us out on all of our podcast platforms. We're everywhere. And leave us five stars. We appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to continuing to uh, do segments like this, offer a lot of value and have guests on. And and, uh, let us know what you think. We'll see you guys next week.